Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. I want to talk to you about the joy of surrender today. There's no greater joy than when we surrender to God. And we surrender to His will and His plans for our lives. And we just stop trying to do everything on our own and make things so difficult. And we just do it His way. And uh, so I want to uh, read a scripture from John 17, verse 13. And it says, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. I just ask you to bless this message today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to talk about the joy of uh, surrender. I need to get this out to you. And uh, I've got a quote. To, yep, he's got that up there for me. I, I don't remember where this came from, but it says, Those who danced look quite insane to those who couldn't hear the music. And I don't know uh, what, what, what you've had going on in your walk with the Lord, but sometimes we look a little crazy, and uh, that's okay, because uh, we're supposed to hear the music of heaven. We're supposed to hear the music of the kingdom, and I want to hear the music, and I know that you want to hear it as well. And uh, anytime I'm dancing, I look quite insane to anybody, whether they can hear the music or not, but... But that quote's just always, I've sent that to different people at different times, too, just in a text message. Is hey, here, and send it to them. Because, you know, sometimes when, you, when you're trying to do something for God or you're trying to step out of your comfort zone, people are going to say things. And uh, even if they're right, it don't mean they're right, if you know what I mean by that. You may, you may be not doing the greatest job when you first step out. You may look a little crazy or insane, but that doesn't mean that you're not doing what God's called you to do and what you hear uh, the voice of the Lord speaking or what, what the, the, the beat of heaven that you're stepping out to. And see, so when it comes to that, when it start, you start talking about being people of joy, uh, a lot of people just think that's crazy because everything that, they, that gives them joy is determined by what they're going through. See, we should be the happiest people around because we have Christ inside of us. In the world, we rejoice because we have joy. But in the kingdom, we're supposed to have joy because we rejoice. And those are two totally different things. That's why praise is so important. That's why worship is so important. That's why uh, having a heart of thanksgiving is so important because the more that we rejoice, the more that joy begins to, uh, to grow. And we know that it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. There's a lot of people that are feeling weak this morning. Maybe somebody even here, but there's a lot of people around the world that are good Christian people, but they're feeling weak, but you, where's their joy level? We are to be people of, of joy. And so I'm going to talk to, that, uh, talk to you about that a little bit today, and I've got uh, these two books here. I'm going to read uh, three or four testimonies from some heroes in the faith to you uh, today. 
because joy is very important uh, in the lives of Christians. It's very powerful in our lives. And uh, I read somewhere um, or heard it on a podcast, I can't remember, but it was saying that today a person will hear more bad news in one week than someone living 100 years ago would hear in a lifetime. And probably, depending on if you keep your TV on the news all the time or not in the background, uh, I think it may, you may hear more bad news in one or two days than you do, than they used to in a whole lifetime 100 years ago. And that, when you think about that, that can be a lot for us to, to process. That can have an effect on our lives. That can have an effect on our emotions uh, in the way we do life. And so I believe that with all that we face and all that's going on, we need joy now as much, if not more, than ever before uh, in the church. As Christians, we need to be people of joy. And so I just read in this opening scripture that Jesus wants us to be full of his joy. And uh, in case you don't know or you haven't noticed, Jesus has a lot of joy. He's full of joy. Yeah, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He wants us to have uh, his joy. Good job, Brian. Thank you. Uh, he wants us to have his, his joy, and he was a person of a lot of joy. Uh, we read in the scriptures where he's rejoicing, and even one place where it's translated that he was spinning around and dancing in a circle. And uh, Hebrews 1 verse 9, it says, uh, it's talking about Jesus, it says, You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. More than anyone else. Jesus has uh, had and has more joy than anyone ever. And he wants us to have his joy. That's how important joy is in our lives. And that's what's available to us when we surrender our lives uh, to him fully. But it's also so important to God that we be people of joy that God took it a step further and he sent us the Holy Spirit. He sent us the Comforter. And I know you already know the answer to this, but what is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy is important. And it's really kind of funny uh, how often the word joy starts to show up when we go looking for it. I don't know if you notice this or not, because have you noticed that somebody, no matter... Uh, I hate to say this, but have you ever seen those preachers that they read a different scripture every week, but it's the same sermon? It don't matter what scripture they read, they're going to see the same thing every single time. I don't even know, I don't need to know what scripture he's reading from. I know what the sermon is. It's the same, you know, there, this, but it's like that sometimes when we get something on our brain, we'll find it in everything, even when we're reading the word. And so sometimes we get these ideas that we go looking for all the time and we miss things that are, that are right in front of us. And so joy shows up like crazy. It's kind of like when you go uh, to get a new car and you want to get the most unique car you can afford because you don't want the car just like the neighbor. So it doesn't matter what your budget is. When you go, well, when they used to have cars on the lot, they don't have cars on lots anymore. You got to just about order them online. But when they used to have a bunch of cars on the lot, you would pick the most unique car that your budget would allow you to pick. Heather and I did it a few years ago uh, with a Jeep, and now she's got a different one. But when she got that one, it's like, oh, wow, well, we like this one, but I haven't really seen any like this. This is, let's get this one. We saw like three of them on the way home. You, well, I've been in parking lots where I, could, I didn't know which one was ours. I had to hit the button. 
But before we got it, I never saw them. I thought, man, that's just so unique. I want something like that. That's how it is with joy. It may sound strange to preach a message on just talking about joy and surrendering to joy. But if you go looking for it, you'll be surprised how often it's there. It shows up uh, over and over again. And uh, if you think about it, as Christians, we've been given, or at least we've been offered, a double anointing of joy. Joy from Jesus, the joy of Jesus, and the joy of the Holy Spirit. And that's something that all of us should be able to rejoice about, regardless of what we're feeling or what we're going through. We should be able to rejoice that we've been given the opportunity to have the joy of Jesus and the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives. In Romans 14, verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's that word again. So it's talking about the kingdom. It's not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. So I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but based on this verse, joy is one-third of the kingdom. It's joy. It's that important. We should be people of joy. 1 Peter 1 and 8 tells us that we should rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That sounds pretty good when you think about it. That, that's a joy that we all should want to have in our lives. And see, there are so many people in the church, and they're after power, they're after faith, they're after prosperity, they're after influence. And I'm not even talking about the bad people. I'm talking about the good people. Because you've prayed that prayer. You've prayed for more power with God. You've prayed to have more faith to see God do things in your life. You've prayed for God to bless you so you could bless other people. And you've prayed to have uh, influence with your lost loved ones or with your co-workers or whatever. I'm talking about the people that are after it for the right reason. We've all prayed those prayers. They're after it because they're trying to advance in the Lord. They're trying to do something great for the, for the kingdom of God. But what if what we should really be after is joy? What if joy is the key to it all? What if everything else would fall into place if we were full of joy? Have you ever seen someone that they seem to have everything just right except missing the joy? And then someone that still had a lot of, you knew they loved the Lord, but they still had a lot of flaws, and they were just such a joyful person, and the one who had it all together wasn't as good of a witness as the one who had, who had a lot of things they needed to work on? just because people couldn't help but want to be around them and love them because they were so full of joy. It's, it's important. What if everything, what if the key to it all is joy? What if we were rejoicing with joy inexpressible and full of glory? How would that change our influence? How would that change our faith level? How would that change uh, the way we prosper in relationships? And Because prospering is not always about money. And how would, that, how would that change the power we had to affect people's lives if we were full of joy? And so I've got these few testimonies. I'm trying not to go uh, take too much time with them, but, but uh, it's some of the heroes in the faith. And what's funny to me is how many people that have heroes in the faith, but if they actually knew the story of their hero in the faith, they would find out they like disagree with half the stuff that happened in that, in that person's life. Uh, it's different, different groups uh, that, that believe, believe different ways. And uh, it's funny to, to when you go back and read them. It, it's amazing how the experiences that these people had. But the first one is uh, D.L. Moody. So does anyone in here not know who D.L. Moody is or never heard, you've never just heard the name? Okay. Well, he's, uh, I've read one of his biographies. I don't know how many are out there, but it's an amazing book. Uh, but this is just a short thing about 
his encounters. He's already ministering all over the world and doing things, and, and this happens to him. It says, It was some months later while walking the streets of New York that Dwight finally experienced the breakthrough for which he and Sarah Cook had been praying together. And I'm wondering what they were, they were probably praying for power, influence, prosperity, and, uh, and, and those things that in faith, like we pray for. But they're praying, and it says, um, it was shortly before his second and most important trip to England that R.A. Torrey had this to say about the significant advance in Moody's life. Not long after, one day on his way to England, he was walking up Wall Street in New York. Mr. Moody very seldom told this, and I almost hesitate to tell it. And in the midst of the bustle and hurry of that city, his prayer was answered. The power of God fell upon him as he walked up the street, and he had to hurry off to the house of a friend and asked that he might have a room by himself, and in that room he stayed alone for hours. And the Holy Ghost came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God to withhold his hand, lest he die on the spot from very joy. He went out from that place with the power of the Holy Ghost upon him, and when he got to London, the power of God wrought through him mightily in North London, and hundreds were added to the churches. And that was what led to his being invited over to the wonderful campaign that followed in later years. Dwight describes the experience this way. I was crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the, in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. Paul had an experience of which he never spoke of for 14 years. I can only say that God revealed himself to me, and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not preach any new truths, and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. It would be as the small dust of the balance. Evan Roberts. Does anybody know who Evan Roberts is? Maybe less people. Uh, Evan Roberts is the spark plug of the Welsh Revival. And uh, let me find this page. I probably should have bookmarked these, but that would have just been too easy. Uh, so he was a spark plug of the Great Welsh Revival, but what's most important, well, it's not most important, but probably more important to us would be that uh, that, that movement revival left a complete transformation of a nation, uh, but it also spark plugged the Azusa Street Revival that we had here in America. Uh, the Welsh Revival was 1904 to 1906, and we know Azusa Street, uh, did it start in 1906 or was it a year before that? I think it was 06. Yeah, and so, uh, and after that, of course, we know the Pentecostal movement's going all over the world. So uh, he had a series of unusual encounters with God, and uh, this is him talking about one of them. He says, For a long time I was much troubled in my soul and my heart by thinking over the failure of Christianity. But that night, after I had been in great distress praying about this, I went to sleep, and at 1 a.m. in the morning, suddenly I was wakened up and found myself with unspeakable joy, and all in the very presence of Almighty God. And for the space of four hours, I was privileged to speak face-to-face -face with Him as a man speaks face-to-face -face with a friend. At 5 a.m., it seemed to me as if I again returned to earth, and it was not only that morning, but every morning for three or four months, and I felt it, and it seemed to change all my nature." And I saw things in a different light, and I knew that God was going to work in the land, and not in this land only, but in all the world. And I'll add to that one, and even today, he's still going to do amazing things. So uh, th that was the Welsh Revival, and later on, the Azusa Street Revival. 
Charles Finney. Everybody's probably heard that name, and his is way too long to read, so I'm having to cut in in the middle of his experience that he had. He says, I must have continued in this state for a good while, but my mind was too much absorbed with the interview to recollect anything that I said. But I know as soon as my mind became calm, I returned to the front office and found that the fire that I had made of large wood was now nearly burned out. But as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Without any expectation of it, without ever uh, having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without any recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through, through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love, and I do not know, but I should say, I literally bellowed out the utter, unutterable gushings of my heart. These waves came over me and over me and over me, and one after the other, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more, yet I had no fear of death. How long I continued in this state, I do not know. But it was late in the evening when a member of my choir came to see me. He was a member of the church. He found me in this state of loud weeping and said, Mr. Finney, what ails you? I could not make him no answer for some time. He then said, are you in pain? I gathered myself up as best I could and replied, no, but I'm so happy I cannot live. He left the office and in a few minutes returned with one of the elders of the church whose shop was nearly across the way from our office. This elder was a very serious man and in my presence had been very watchful and I had scarcely ever seen him laugh. He asked me how I felt and I began to tell him. Instead of saying anything back, he fell into the most spasmodic laughter. It seemed as if it was impossible for him to keep from laughing from the very bottom of his heart. So joy hits both of them. And what I like about this one is, I guess it's been close to 20 years now, but all the arguing over was laughing in the spirit, okay or not. That they, I mean, people got in all kinds of fights and arguments over that. Uh, I think with Brownsville and uh, Toronto revivals, I think it's when that kind of started, uh, at least over here. We see that's not when it started. He didn't, even, he didn't just start laughing. He was having spasms of laughter. It says spasmodic laughter. And uh, so... If it was okay for Finney, I, I, it's okay for me too. <laughs> I'm okay with it. However the Holy Spirit moves on someone is fine with me. Uh, T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne had all kinds, this is the last one if you're getting bored with this, but this is, he had all kind of amazing miracles and things happen in his crusades, like crazy stuff. Uh, but he, at this point in his life, he had gone to India and pretty much nothing was happening. He was not having very much success at all and so he tells his wife he says if i could just see jesus i know everything would change and this is what he says he says the next morning at six o'clock i was awakened by a vision of jesus christ as he came into our room i looked upon him and i saw him like i see anyone no tongue can tell of his splendor and beauty no language can express the magnificence and power of his person of all i had heard and read about him the half had never been told me his hands were beautiful they seemed to vibrate with creative ability his eyes were streams of love pouring forth into my innermost being. When I came out of that room, I was a new man. Jesus had become the master of my life. I knew the truth. He is alive. He is more than a dead religion, 
My life was changed. I would never be the same. Old traditional values began to fade away, and I felt impressed daily by a new and increasing sense of reverence and serenity. Everything was different. I wanted to please him. That is all that has mattered since that unforgettable morning. And so after this encounter, he goes back, and this is what happens. We saw deaf mutes by the hundreds perfectly restored. We have seen great numbers of the blind instantly receive their sight, as many as 90 cases in a single gospel crusade. We have seen the hopeless cripples restored, those in wheelchairs as long as 42 years arise and walk. Those on cots and stretchers have arisen and have been made whole. We have witnessed eardrums, lungs, kidneys, ribs, and other body parts which have been removed by operations, recreated and restored by God's creative power. We have seen incurables made well, cancers die and vanish, lepers cleansed, and even the dead raised. In a single campaign which we have conducted, we have had as many as 125 deaf mutes, 90 totally blind, and hundreds of other equally miraculous deliverances have resulted. Happy and joyful confessions of Christ as Savior have numbered as many as 50,000 in one crusade, often many thousands in one night. What we have seen our Lord accomplish in the past is an example of what He yearns to do and every nation under heaven. Happy and joyful confessions. The word's jumping out everywhere if we take the time to look for it. And so I want you to think about these guys. These were good men. These were preachers. These were hopefully Christians. They're preachers. They're missionaries. They're out doing uh, the work of the Lord. They're doing works for the kingdom. And everything changed when they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and received that joy, inexpressible and full of glory. And so that gets me to two points that I want us to think about today. And the first one is simply this. What if the key to the revival that the church has been talking about, as we saw with uh, the Great Welsh Revival, we saw that one right there, that it started there and then the Azusa Street, the great outpouring that happened here. What if the key to the revival that we've been talking about for so long, we've been praying about for so many years, what if the key is joy? In fact, what if real revival is joy? What would that look like? What would that be like? See, sometimes, especially in church, it seems like we miss the obvious because of something that seems obvious. And uh, so the, the best way I know to describe that is with Heather. Uh, Heather and I, when we had just been married a couple years, and we're in the bathroom getting ready, I think, to go to church. And uh, I'm hearing this popping noise. And so uh, it's, I've heard it pop about six, seven times, and I look over, and she's got a brand new stick of deodorant. And she's trying to bite the, the cap off the thing. Has anybody ever done that in here? All right, a couple hands have gone. She's just biting, and it's just pop, pop, pop. And she looks so frustrated. And so, <clears throat> you know, when you're a husband and you know the answer, but you ask the question anyways because you just want, you know. So I said, it was obvious. She's, I said, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to get this lid off this deodorant, but it is on there so tight I can't get it off. And I said, I said why are you doing that? What, can you get it off for me? I said, sure. She hands me the deodorant, and I do this. <laughs> and I mean, she's just been pop, pop, pop over and over. And, she, and her eyes got huge. And her mouth literally dropped open, and she, her favorite saying, are you serious? 
I've been doing it wrong all these years, about to break her teeth. And, uh, and, and I said, yeah, that, that's, a, that's what you're supposed to do. You think about it. You twist the bottom of the deodorant to use the deodorant. You just twist the bottom and the lid comes right. I can't believe She started, I think she started calling people, asking them, did they know it or something? <laughs> did they know this? But, uh, and she told everybody for like a month and I, that when, we would, when we'd see them, she said, hey, did you know? And she was talking about the deodorant. I said, Heather, just stop. <laughs> but uh, she said, well, why has it got those little tabs on there if you're not supposed to pull it off? That's what those tabs are there so you can pull that thing off. And I said, no, Heather, those tabs are on there so once you twist it up, you can take it off without getting deodorant on your fingers and under your fingernails. That's why those tabs are there. And she said, I never knew that. But the thing about it is, is she was missing the obvious because something seemed obvious. Because those tabs do look, oh man, they do, they look like that's what it's for. And it's, every now and then you'll get an easy one, because I'm going to be honest, I've done it before without twisting the bottom. I don't think I've ever bit one, but I've done it just pulling on it. And it, but it looks obvious. Oh, there, I'm supposed to grab that and pull. But it's, that's not what you're supposed to do. And uh, some of you that won't admit it, we have changed your life this morning and saved you a trip to the dentist. <laughs> but we do that with the Lord, too. When we get saved or something, there's something about us that we want to do something that takes so much effort. We want to get in there and we want to pull and we want to grit our teeth and whatever we got to do, we want to work. And I'm not against working. I'm really not. Believe me. But what if it was so much, what if we've missed something obvious because of something that seemed obvious? God wants, Jesus wants you to have his joy. God wants you to have the power of the resurrected Savior in you. God wants to send the Holy Spirit so, he, so that you could have his power inside of you. All these different things. But see, we feel like we have to earn something. What if the key was always joy? We talk about wanting to see revival. We talk about, we take it a step further many times. We say we want to live revival. Or you've heard somebody say that maybe, at least if you haven't said it. Maybe it scared you so you didn't repeat it. But there, we want to live in revival because the question is, so what is revival? Maybe that's why so many people are afraid of it, if we're being honest. Because we're thinking, man, I don't want to go to church every night to midnight and have to carry people to the car and, you know, things like that. You know, it's tiring. But what, what is Revival. When you hear people talk about revival and talk about revival going on at their church or at, a, at some place in the country or in the world, you know, what are they usually talking about? They'll say, oh, man, we're having revival. Man, we're having such great revival at our church. People are running to the altar. They're repenting of their sins. Uh, man, people are shouting and running the aisles, running on the backs of pews or whatever. And, oh, we're having revival. Man, the, the preacher's amazing. He is just he knows so much of the word. He just he just quotes so much, and he's like a fireball, and people are just you know being moved every night. And we're having revival. We're having the demonized are being delivered, and we're having people are being healed in every single service. Now that all sounds great. That's I, I'm all for those things. Every one of those things. I I I love hearing about moves like that. I love being around and being involved in moves like that. We need more of it. I'm not against it at all. But let's think about this in terms of revival. Since, remember, we not only want to experience revival, we want to live it. We want to live in revival. So if revival is all about 
people repenting of sin and we want to live in revival, wouldn't that mean that we needed people to keep sinning so we could keep experiencing revival? Because if no one's sinning, they're not going to be able to repent of sin and repenting of sin is revival. If revival is all about people being healed, then wouldn't we need a lot more people to get sick and hurt so that we could pray for them and experience and live in revival? And if people is about the people getting delivered, then we just need a lot of people to start, you know, going places that shouldn't go and get demon possessed so that we can have revival, right? Wouldn't that be what we need to start praying for? See, it, it, yes, people are healed in revival. Yes, sinners are saved in revival. The, the demonized are, are set free in revival. Uh, people with burdens are delivered in revival. Yes, people repent, de rededicate themselves to the Lord in revival. But what if it is because of revival and not because it is revival? What if we're missing the obvious because of something that seems obvious because it's right there in our face? It's exciting and it's, and it's, and it's just so, I guess, uh, spectacular. See, in the testimony of D.L. Moody... He said that after his baptism of joy, that his sermons did not change. He didn't present any new truths, yet hundreds were converted. He's preaching the same messages, probably to some of the same people. He's not giving them anything new. The same thing he's been telling them over and over again, and now all of a sudden everybody's getting converted. See, nothing changed, but everything changed. And I believe it was because he began to live a life of revival instead of looking for revival. Because he had a baptism of joy. The joy in the Holy Spirit was the difference. You just heard me read it. Everything else was the same. And so that brings me to the, to the last thought for you to consider this morning. Uh, Randy Clark, I'm pretty sure, is the one who makes this statement. Uh, but uh, I, I got it at a, heard it at a conference. I, I didn't read it, so I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm 90% sure it was him. But he says, tears are to repentance what laughter is to salvation. Tears are to repentance what laughter is to salvation. And I, I like to change that up just a little bit. And I say, uh, uh, because this, not everybody is as emotional as other people. Some, you know, some people are very expressive, others aren't. So I say, tears are to repentance what joy is to salvation. And so my thought for you is this. How many people that we know, how many of us, have gone from repentance to religion instead of from repentance to salvation with what we experienced? How many people that we were so excited to see God move upon their heart and they came down to the altar with tears of repentance and, they, and, and before they could even get back to their seat and experience the joy of salvation, somebody had already given them the burden of religion? How many has it happened to? If tears are to repentance, what joy is to salvation? How many of us have experienced it? I know I have. I know that's what I did. I did it. As soon as I, uh, I was, I, I could tell you the story of when I got saved. Uh, I don't remember anything the guy preached because I was just ready for him to hush so I could get down to the front. And, and I went straight from that to now what do I have to do? What do I have to do, do, do? I got to get everything right. I got to not make mistakes. And I think the more I tried not to make mistakes, the more mistakes I made. I did some pretty dumb stuff. <laughs> but but I didn't get to experience that joy of salvation. It was just like it seemed to go straight from repentance and feeling that relief of pouring my heart out to God, then all of a sudden it was like I was under another burden. It was a different burden. I had, the, I had God in my heart. Jesus had saved me. But I never really experienced the joy of salvation the way that I feel like I should have. 
even these great men that I just read to you about, every one of them, before their life-changing encounters, I wish they were here for us to ask them, but I wonder how many of them would say that they went straight from repentance to religion instead of from repentance to salvation. Because obviously they needed a baptism of joy. It changed everything in their lives. See, we need the joy of the Lord in our lives because that's how it's supposed to be. It's just probably we've missed the obvious for something that seemed obvious, something that we could have control over. See, we were made for revival. We were made for it. Now, it probably would help us to get a better definition of what re revival is. I'm still, my, mine's still out there. I don't, I don't know exactly what to tell you for certain that it is. But I know that there's, for those things I presented to you, there's some things that just don't add up to me that I have to, did I miss something, Lord? What, what, I want the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. There's so many people that are getting tired. They're burning out. They're having all kinds. And I know things happen. There's stuff that happens in people's lives. I'm not trying to put any kind of judgment on, on anyone. But we're all trying to get smarter. We're all trying to get more faith. We're all trying to get all these different things we're trying to do. If we learn enough, if we do this enough and that enough, and the Bible tells us it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. And I don't know about you, but one of the, well, I'm so little. One of the main things I've needed my whole life was to get stronger, <laughs> spiritually, physically, every kind of way you can think of. But we all need that. We all need the strength of the Lord. We were made for revival. And so I want to leave you with the quote one more time. Those who danced look quite insane to those who couldn't hear the music. Are you hearing the music today? Or are you just hearing the worries of this world? Are you hearing all the trash that's going through the waves telling us that it's too late, it's too bad, it's too far gone? It's whatever they're saying, it doesn't matter. It's coming at us from all directions. Are we going to fall in line with everybody else just because of what we're hearing? Or are we going to open our ears spiritually and hear what the Spirit is saying and hear the music of heaven and start to look a little insane? We're supposed to be peculiar people. We're not very peculiar in the church anymore. We're mostly like everybody else. In fact, that's the goal for most churches. That way people feel comfortable when they come. I want people to feel comfortable, but not above me wanting to do what God wants me to do and being in His will and being surrendered to Him so that I can have that joy in my life. There's joy in surrender. And I want to hear the music, and I want you to hear the music. And I don't want you to go crazy, but I'm okay if you look a little crazy to people every now and then as you go after that. Because that's just how, that's just how it is. It's going to happen. Everybody in here can probably think of a story when you did something silly going after it and somebody else that you really admire and respect that did something silly. And it hasn't changed how you feel about them one bit. But yet the enemy will tell you if you go for it, Man, they're going to run you out of here. They're never going to want to talk to you again. You're going to lose all credibility. He'll tell you all kind of crazy stuff. I have seen some of the most powerful men of God that I really respect get it wrong. And I'm not talking like get it wrong predicting the end of the world or something. I'm just talking about acting in a way that I'm like, I don't think, that, I, I don't think they heard God on that one. Uh, in, a, in, in like an altar service or something. Get a little carried away with something. But you know what? I've seen that same person do something where I would have never done it because I think that I would think that would be getting a little carried away. And I saw the guy get healed and he ran around the church. He ran one lap around the church and went out. And then he came back when he ran out of breath. I don't know how far he ran, but he came back when he couldn't breathe. And God had healed his hip. I don't I, sometimes going for it's what it takes. And the thing about it is 
when you're doing it, as long as love is your motivation and joy is in your heart, you don't have to worry so much about, am I hearing God on this? Because it's the joy of the Lord that gives us strength. And that strength will give you the courage you need to step out in faith. All those things will begin to happen. We want to go after the joy of the Lord, not because we want power and faith and influence and prosperity. Those things are great to have, but that's not our desire. Our desire is always should be more of Him. And as we get more of Him, we'll have more of His joy. It just, it just keeps, I'm telling you, things start to fall into place when we start to see the obvious and quit missing it for things that seem obvious. And God, I just thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we just thank you for your joy. God, help us not to miss the obvious for things that seem obvious. God, help us to hear your heart and hear your voice on every issue, God, and to take the risk and to go for it, Lord. God, we just bless you with all that we are, and we're so thankful that you're patient with us, even when we're trying to work so hard and you're telling us to just give it to you and to just trust you at your word, God. I pray that we would do that. I pray that every person in here would have an amazing baptism of joy in their life like never before. Lord, that every person in whatever way needs to happen will have an encounter like these men we read about, God, that changes everything. Lord, where, we, where what we used to do, maybe we even still do the exact same thing, but the results are different because you're involved. Your joy is in our hearts, God, and we're, we're actually uh, strengthened by your joy to continue on in the fight and in the work that you have for us to do. God, I pray for healing for the request today, God. Lord, I pray for bodies to be restored, minds to be restored, God. We pray for strength, Lord. Lord, physically, mentally, spiritually, God. And God, we give you the honor, we give you the glory and the praise because, Lord, you're worthy of it all. And we bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect Groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.